Okay. So what I wanted to do is uh, guide you through and, and teach you a meditation from the Tibetan tradition. Then we'll have another quick break and then we'll kind of finish the afternoon with any of the remaining questions and discussion and topics that we haven't touched on. But we were talking earlier about the different kind of types of meditation in the Tibetan tradition. And one meditation that is very beloved in the Tibetan tradition that some of you may have done is called Tonglen or giving and taking meditation. Has anybody done Tonglen meditation? Oh, so a lot, quite a lot of people in the room. And this is one of the meditations I was saying that we have these more conceptual style of meditation for developing certain qualities. And so Tonglen meditation is a practice that we do that works on developing both loving kindness and compassion in the same meditation. It involves breathing, visualizing, and thinking. So it's a little bit like, what, patting your head and rubbing it? No, it's not that hard. <laughs> it all kind of goes together quite seamlessly. And so in Buddhism, we describe love, love or loving kindness as the wish for beings to have happiness. And then we describe compassion as the wish for beings to be free from suffering. I think sometimes in English, we might mix up and use love and compassion almost synonymously. But in Buddhism, they have very distinct meanings. Compassion being removing the suffering, you know, the wish for beings to be free from suffering. And love or loving kindness being the wish to give beings happiness. And in this meditation, we're working on developing both of those qualities. We were talking earlier about how we can look at something like Buddha nature as something that's a potential that we can develop. So in these types of meditations, we say, we've got that, you know, everybody has love and compassion. We all have that mostly for the people that we're close to or the people that we can somehow, you know, relate to their suffering. But this is to make it, you know, eventually with our practice much more universal in terms of the scope and the object of that compassion, right? So to kind of grow it more and more and more so it's more unconditional, more universal. We talk in the Tibetan tradition about the four immeasurables, and one of them is immeasurable loving-kindness, another is immeasurable compassion. So this is a practice very simple to learn, super powerful to do. And that's my favorite combination. Easy to remember and super powerful, right? So the way we do this practice, I'll explain it, and then I'll guide you through prompting you, and then we'll see if there's any questions. And so... What we do is we start by visualizing someone in front of us that's the object of our compassion. And so we say, as we're beginning the practice, it's good to think of someone easy for you to feel love and compassion for. Don't start with the more difficult objects, especially political figures in this day and age. It's a little <laughs> too challenging. We want to get the, you know, get the juices flowing before we work with the challenging objects. And as our practice progresses, it's the perfect thing to use with challenging people in our lives. We say it's impossible to have love and compassion in your mind simultaneous with hatred and cruelty. They just cancel each other out. It's impossible. So as your practice progresses, when there are difficult people in your life, whether it's personal or public, great 
practice to do, but we say begin with someone easy for whom it's easy for you to feel love and compassion, a friend, a relative, you know, some suffering being. The very traditional texts say, oh, you know, start with yourself, because of course you feel more love and compassion for yourself than you do for anyone else, and we go, it's complicated. So that's a whole other story. Why is it harder for us, even though the traditional texts say, well, duh, like start with yourself, like what's more obvious than that? And like I say, it's complicated, but good to begin with someone easy. Then what you do is you imagine, and it's also good in the beginning to think of someone that you know that's going through a hard time right now. Like maybe you have a friend who's going through something physically, emotionally, you know, mentally, whatever. Somebody's just going through a breakup. Somebody's just got some diagnosis. So it's, you know, think of what they're going through. And then imagine whatever suffering that they're already experiencing takes the form of this black smoke filling their body. So it's not like you're giving them anything more than they already have. It's just it manifests. Whatever they're going through manifests in this form. And then you tune into that seed of compassion that you feel in your heart, that feeling of like, oh, I do anything, you know, to free my friend from that suffering that they're feeling. Sometimes I like to also visualize that like an inner pilot light like a warm light in the middle of your chest, and that's your innate loving kindness and compassion. Then imagine breathing in that black smoke from your object of compassion, but instead of feel it filling with black smoke, because it's not like you want to have the cancer or the divorce, you know, that's not the point. But when you breathe in, when you actually remove the suffering and you imagine them being relieved of that suffering, As you breathe it in, it's like the fuel for that fire, that inner pilot light. So you breathe in that black smoke, it feeds that flame that just gets bigger and bigger, brighter and brighter. So it's almost a a physical sensation in your chest of warmth as that feeling of loving kindness that gives you peace of mind, that gives you this sense of freedom and ease. So then the second stage, as we're breathing in, we imagine gradually being filled. So it first fills your chest, then your torso, then your whole body. So we spend some time and imagine that friend being completely relieved of their suffering. So as you breathe it in, eventually they're completely free. You're filled with this energy of loving kindness. Then the third stage is As you exhale, you imagine, and again, you can imagine it in the form of this kind of golden light, goes out from your nostrils as you exhale, transforms into whatever would give them happiness, right? So if it's somebody, a refugee, Achan was mentioning earlier, you know, a refugee who needs a place to live, safety, housing, food, you can imagine it turning into material things that that person would need, Or if it's somebody who's going through some mental or psychological hard time, you imagine that golden light just then filling them completely. And then they have this mental happiness. So it can transform into whatever it is that would give that person happiness. When I first started doing this practice, I was living in India. And when you go to India for the first time, you know, if you've lived in North America your whole life, It's quite shocking when you see people with leprosy on the street, right? Just begging on the street, missing 
body parts, you know. And so for me, that was a really easy object of my compassion meditation because I'd walk past these people. I got to know them like every day. And you just think, wow, sitting in the dust, nothing to eat or drink. Like really hard to wash your hair when you don't have fingers. You know, it was pretty intense to be in the face of that. So it was very easy for me. And then they were the objects of my compassion and loving kindness, my Tonglen. And I remember it, back in those days, I loved to go to these hot springs resorts in Northern California, like ore springs and these places. And I would imagine the lepers having ore springs and like lying there clean with sipping cool drinks, like lying on the lawn chairs, all chill and having nice food. So you can get creative with the giving part, you know, kind of imagine whatever it is that would give that person happiness. So like I said, super easy to do, but also really, really powerful. So I just want to lead you through one round that I'll do with the prompts. And, you know, just highly recommend this practice. One of my teachers who's passed away, Geshe Geltsin, a lama in Los Angeles, very learned master, amazing master, this was the main meditation practice he taught his students and they called him the Tonglen Lama. You know, even though he could teach anything, this was the main practice that he, you know, taught his students to do just because it really was so powerful to do. Okay? So I'll guide you through. First, we'll just get in our comfortable, comfortable meditation posture, whatever that is for you, sitting cross-legged on a mat or up on a chair. And just take a minute to settle your mind by focusing on the sensations of the breath in the body. Just the sensations as the air goes in and out of your nostrils for just a few minutes. And then take a moment to just imagine, seated in front of you, the object of your compassion. And remember for this level to think of someone easy to generate a feeling of love and compassion. It might be a close friend or your partner or a child or a parent or another relative. And if you can think of somebody that you know is going through some kind of a hard time already, that can be helpful because you already have that feeling of compassion for them, for their struggles. It might be something emotional or mental or physical that they're going through. So take a moment. Some people it's easy to visualize that image of the person or if that's not easy, just get a felt sense of that person seated in front of you.
And then tune in to your natural feeling of compassion that you have for this dear friend and what they're going through. That feeling you have, oh, if only they could be free from their suffering. And imagine there's a location for that feeling. And it's right in the center of your heart chakra. You might imagine it taking the form of a little light, like your inner pilot light, that seed of love and compassion in your heart. As you really tune into that feeling, oh, if only they were free. And then imagine that this wish, your compassionate wish for that person to be free has given you the power that now as you inhale, imagine inhaling that dark smoke from that person, that suffering that's taken the form of this kind of dark gritty smoke. And imagine with each inhalation You're able to relieve them of suffering and as you breathe in the dark smoke, instead of filling you, it's the fuel for that fire in your heart of love and compassion. So spend a few minutes imagining with the inhalation, freeing your beloved friend from their suffering and that inner pilot light at your heart of love and compassion just grows stronger and stronger. So gradually, Imagine that light, that warm light filling your chest, your torso, eventually your whole body and your whole body and mind filled with loving kindness, warm heartedness, peace of mind. So take a few minutes as you inhale. Imagine that warm light filling your whole body, bringing you peace of mind, loving kindness. And imagine that your friend gradually becomes completely free of their suffering. And then imagine your whole body and mind completely filled with this energy of loving kindness. 
And now as you exhale, imagine, as you exhale that warm light, it transforms into whatever it is that would give your dear friend happiness. So might be something physical they need. Imagine that warm light transforms into food, clothing, shelter. Or if it's just mental or emotional happiness they need, you can imagine the warm light filling their body, easing their suffering, bringing them peace of mind. Take just a few minutes to imagine the giving. So imagining that person receiving every happiness. And then just take a moment to rejoice that you've brought the suffering of your beloved friend to an end, been able to give them every happiness. Take a moment just to feel joy, empathetic joy in your practice. And so, as you can see, easy practice, very powerful. And then the way we do the progression is, 
you know, more and more difficult objects of our compassion, it's good to start with someone easy, then go to the, you know, less close friends than the neutral people. And then eventually as we get good at this practice, it becomes almost reflexive. The minute we find aversion arising to someone, going into this practice is an antidote to that strong kind of aversion. Because like I said, it's really, really hard, you know, pretty much impossible to be doing this practice and also be angry and have hatred and, you know, feelings of cruelty. And sometimes it takes a long time. I have an <laughs> experience in my own life, confession time, of a ex-family member. It's always the family members, isn't it, that are the hardest objects. And my ex-sister-in-law, it's okay if it goes on tape, she knows this story. <laughs> really hard. This thing happened in my family a zillion years ago. It sort of split my family and I really blamed her and she was my nemesis for years, you know, and it was just 100% blame, blame, blame. So trying to be a good Buddhist nun, kept trying to do this practice. Nothing, brick wall, just over and over and over again. But I didn't give up. (laughs) And then after literally years of practice, I was actually in my second long retreat, I felt a shift. And suddenly it was amazing. I felt something shift just because I kept trying to do these practices with my ex-sister-in-law as the object. And then I felt this shift. And then all of a sudden my perspective shifted and my whole blaming story just dissolved. And I saw my part in the whole thing. I'm in retreat in a hermitage near Ragged Point down the central California coast that's now cut off because there was some other horrible landslide. Anyway... You know, she had divorced my brother. I haven't seen or heard from her in 16 years. I swear to you, 10 days later, I get a letter from her apologizing to me for this thing that happened 16 years prior. And then after I got out of this long retreat, I'm like, how did you even find me? Like, my brother didn't even know where I, well, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. She's like, you know, something just happened and I just wanted to write to you and she goes I remembered your teacher's name Zopa because it was so cool like Zorro Lama Zopa (laughs) so she called the international headquarters and they're like we don't give out her information but it was some post office box in San Simeon like a million miles from the hermitage I was living so they're like well even if she's a stalker like she's never going to get her and then I got this letter apologizing so this stuff works, man, I'm telling you. We're talking about the non-material thing of the devas and all of this. I'm from California, I'm an old hippie, so I can talk about vibes, but there's like energy that shifts with these practices. For sure it works for us, but I think it really changes things even with the people that we're, you know, meditating with as the object of our practice, so... It's powerful stuff. Are there any questions about just specifically that practice to clarify from your experience? Yeah. I, <clears throat> in uh, filling the body with the smoke and then the uh, light, I have trouble coordinating that with breathing. Okay, okay. And, and you can visualize first And then when you get kind of facility with it, then you can kind of couple it with the breathing. Maybe just work on visualizing. And by the way, you're not filling your body with smoke. You just inhale. And each 
each time the smoke comes in, it just feeds the fire. So yeah, don't visualize the smoke okay. filling your body. It's just like the fuel for that inner pilot light. But it might be easy to just work on getting the visuals right and then maybe add on the breathing later on. Yeah. And do I breathe, w breathe in and out once for each person? Or? You know, you can, get, you can get to that point when you're experienced with it. Usually when I teach it, I do it in stages like this, just so you get used to it. So breathe in a lot, get that pilot light burning, fill yourself, then breathe out. But when you get really good at this, with each inhalation and exhalation, you can do the whole visualization. And that's really cool. This is great to do in public transportation, great to do walking down Market Street in San Francisco with all the homeless people. As often we just feel like, God, there's suffering in my face. You can't take them all home with you. What can I do? We can always do this. You know, so whenever there's suffering in our face, at least we can transform it like this, right? And it does really help because we're always in the face. Sometimes there's nothing we can do do, but we can always do this. So the more experienced you get, then you really can just be doing it. I, uh, for a number of uh, months, I was living once in New York and taking the subway a lot. Perfect. Didn't waste any time riding the subway, you know, because there was all kinds of suffering beings there to do Tonglen. So it is, it's really beautiful. You can totally take this practice on the road, big time. You don't have to be sitting cross-legged. But again, it's good to do it, you know, get experienced with it. And if you want more information, usually the way it's transliterated is T-O-N-G-L-E-N, -E and there'll be a lot of material online, you know, so if you need reminders of how to do the practice. Yeah. Yeah, there's question here and then we'll take a break yeah Sorry. yeah um, I too have had uh, problems in the past doing tonglen with uh, breathing timing and it takes me a while to visualize and then I don't have enough time or breath yeah, to right, visualize right. and then do the reverse <laughs> visualize or thinking so today when you structured it to just do one thing in stages yeah and I could breathe I could inhale and exhale and still do one thing and good. Then, so that was very helpful. Thank oh, good, you. good. Yeah, <laughs> and like I said, then you get the hang of it, and then later on when it's much more, you know, you have facility with it, then you can do it like that. Yeah. All right, let's take another break. Um, 10, 15, 10, and come back at 3, and then we're going to, we've got a pile of some more questions. There might be some more things, and then we'll wrap up.